I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to part two. I'm joined by the gorgeous Kate Thornton. I actually just feel like, um, and I, I'm sort of t- taken back, transported to when I did your podcast, like I just feel like I'm having a chat with a mate. Good. That's, <laughs> well, I consider you a friend. Listen, every time I see you having a bad period, I will send you a voice note going, oh, boy. I feel there. <laughs> now i had terrible periods and then when you think they're going to stop you think that's that that there's a nirvana beyond it no just another <laughs> hell um i don't know that sometimes my voice notes are very helpful actually when i read yeah. what i've said <laughs> no honestly they are and it's like it's like with anything it's just so nice to feel like you're not alone and that is why i do my posts and all that because and every, you know i always get some fucking dickhead who's like Oh, oh, do you have to constantly talk about this? And I just think, honestly, Deborah from Workington, just fuck off. <laughs> like everybody, oh, me. or yes. if I'm on the telly, change channels. <laughs> it's just nice to feel like you're not on your own and like you're not going crazy because, especially with my period stuff, like, and uh, you'll get this. Like, I actually feel crazy. I feel crazy. fucking crazy. One hundred percent. Because you are. Because you're not. You can be right in the middle of going, and I've tried to explain this so many times to the poor men that have been on the receiving end of my various hormonal chapters. <laughs> um, but you know, you can be, you can be, you can be doing something and being really mean and knowing that you are, but you have no ability to stop yourself. I know. So you aren't in control. But there's a part of you that goes, what are you saying? Stop it. You're being really unreasonable. You absolute cow. Get, go, leave now. Like, I'd hang up on myself. Do you know what I mean? Good. And it is, um, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to explain that to somebody that doesn't ever yeah. had, who's never had that experience. And being, peri- you know, being at this, this stage now with, with the perimenopause, I felt so lost at times. Just when I learned to like myself as well, I feel literally, you know, forget where did I put my keys? Where did I put my phone? Where did I put me? You know, that's what it felt like for a a while. And I think, you know, I I just want to warn people that it's coming. I felt like as much as I knew about the menopause, nobody actually sat me down again. I'm just going to warn you now, Kate. And some women breeze through it. That's, you know, the same women that go, I love having birth. I find it really fun, right? I, I didn't find it fun. It was fucking painful. But I've got the most awesome thing as a result of it, which is my son, right? So awesome. Everybody has experiences that are different. Is it, is it 
really important for you? Like, because I actually feel like that. I feel like women are encouraged, particularly the generation before ours, to proper stiff up a little bit, like ultimately really British, like, oh, you just don't complain, you don't whinge, like you get, you know, keep marching on type thing, keep calm. And I think that we're conditioned to believe that's how we should behave. And subsequently, like, I don't feel like we had the information we should have. Like, I remember me, like me sister when she had a little girl, like, and she won't mind me talking about this. She's like, really honest, Laura, she's great. But I remember her going to me mom and saying like, mom, I, I just, I'm not necessarily bonding with me little girl. Like, I'm a bit lost. Like, I'm overwhelmed and everything. Did you feel like this? And my mom was just like, oh, I don't know, Laura. I just think I loved you both loads and blah, blah, blah. And my mom's not callous she couldn't she it wasn't in a way to make Laura feel bad it was just that's what she's been conditioned to do to say everything's fine you'll be all right just keep fucking going and subsequently like we just don't honestly as women like because the previous generations are just telling us that we feel like we're broken when we don't cope that same way although we're not coping as well yeah But I think I've got this interesting theory that we're the sort of um, halfway house generation. Yeah. We've got one, we've been raised by a generation that were kind of, you know, not stoic, strong. Get on with it. Weren't encouraged to share too much. Uh Um, And that, you know, I think we've opened that conversation. So we sort of, you know, we rock between the two. Hopefully, you know, my son's generation. If you go on to have children of your own, your your children's generation, they'll just go, we talk about, you know, we talk about everything to do with hormones. It'll be taught yeah. in schools. Why is menopause, for example, not taught to us in schools? They teach us about periods. So they talk, teach us about the start. The end is quite significant. No, I know. And it goes on for like a decade or more. But none of it, but none of the, I think, incredibly rudimentary education we are given in terms of our bodies is significant enough like I read this post on Instagram the other day that had me buckled and it was like I'm so pleased I learned all about hexagons at school and not taxes because hexagon season's coming up and I'm like (laughs) you know like we know fuck all about what's completely important like if I go if I go to France, I could tell like a, a fella like, oh, I've got a pencil sharpener. Nobody's asked about your pencil sharpener, Vicky. I have a ring like, in the shower. And oh, look at the cat. That's my it. Si- my sister's got blonde hair. Fuck off. <laughs> Nobody's bothered. Like you need to know where's the police station. You need to know I'm separated from my friends. You need to know like where's the local toilet. Like we're not taught anything, I think, like across the board that is is completely sort of going to help us in life. I think it's changing slightly now only because I do see what my son brings home by way of homework. But is there is there, has it been progressive? Is there a step right. in the right direction? There was, there was one brilliant school when he was um I was looking for secondary schools for him. Um there was one school I went to and they were doing a business studies class and I was like, okay, um, pop my head in and they said, Oh, you what well, you're welcome to kind of you know stand in and watch. And this teacher, she was brilliant, right? Yeah. She stood there and she had printed out and photocopied copies of her own bank statements, right, for the mom, no. and passed them around the class and said to the kids, this is a genuine exercise in business, right? I'm a teacher. I'm a successful professional person. Yeah. I'm trying to make ends meet. These are my direct debits. This is what comes in every month. How can I better manage my finances? Now, she couldn't give them anybody else's bank statements because it's against data protection. So she decided to offer up her own. But I just thought she was excellent. I feel like she's incredible. And like that is a real life lesson that will serve you well. Yeah. 
she, I mean, not, yeah. not, you know, not every teacher should submit their bank statements, but why are we not teaching like net and loss? Yeah. Net and gross, sorry, net and gross. Nobody taught that. Well, then everything like how, so even now, like as a quite successful 35 year old woman, like, I still don't understand like the mortgage process, for example. Like I know the, you know, the highlights and all that, but like every time it comes for us to do it again, like I'm stressed, I'm out of my depth, I have to get professional advice. Like, wouldn't it just be better if as women and as men, like we just had a better understanding of finances, of like how to run a household? And I don't I'm not suggesting, you know, that's just a women thing. I think everybody should know like the ups also, and downs of it. You get to this end of the road in life. And all those years when somebody goes, are you paying into a pension? You go, well, uh, you get to 50, the number of my, well, I, I was the square that paid into a pension. And I, I've already got, I'm paying my pension pot every year. I was, I'm terrified of pension pop skins. Well, yeah, I, I like, honestly, when you do the maths to try and live on a state pension, it, you know, you're not going to eat much and you'll be cold. Right? <laughs> Lucky. Oh. Um, now, that, that, you know, suddenly, suddenly we're 50. And it's, you know, it's not that far off. No, it comes right fast, really. Have, comes right fast. Really does, honestly. Um, and so I think that things like that we need to be taught. Like, what is a pension? To understand the significance of it and that a little can mean a lot over a huge, you know, long stretch of time. Um, but to start trying to just, like, literally throw whatever you've got in your back pocket into a jar at 50 and go, oh, please, God, don't let me die starving in the cold, um, is probably not the answer to your financial security for the future. No, but, of course it's not. Yeah. But I loved it because when, when you bought your house, I was kind of gone with it because, you know, it's really hard, right, to get a foot on the ladder. Yeah. It's, you know, it really is. To do it on your own, applaud you. Um, you know, what you've done is extraordinary and it's really hard to sometimes it's you know you feel a bit embarrassed don't you to be proud of what you've achieved because you don't yeah. want to look like you're smug yeah but equally well done you do you know thanks what I mean? mate thanks yeah, and you know there's like so many like so many times in life i think you absolutely should be self-depreciating self-deprecating I, I never know which way it is but you should be that and you should be modest and you should be grateful to everybody else and you know right place right time I've had loads of luck there's definitely loads of times in life where you should be that person but actually there is sometimes in life and I think this is everybody needs to hear this that you should be fucking proud of what you achieve like and you you can't thank any anybody else you can be as humble as you want but you actually got to take a little bit of credit yourself and say I've worked hard Yes, I've been fortunate, but I'm fuck. I'm really proud of myself. And I can getting me house was one of those moments for me. Like I thrilled the ribbons. I'm fucking not feeling that way now. I'm decorating it like it's so no. expensive. I would literally, literally, you no. might as well make cash if you are lucky enough to home uh, be a homeowner. Emerging, say you're chatting to me in your walk-in wardrobe. Like, do you imagine as a child thinking that you'd ever have a walk-in wardrobe? I thought I had a wardrobe. Um, you know. That, that just seemed like heady stuff to me. Yeah. Here you are on your very successful podcast, oh, right? Stop. You know, look at you. Honestly, that's... Those like, frozen eggs are going to be so lucky when you defrost them and they become, you know, your <laughs> children because they're going to be raised by someone that's really gone out there and, you know, grabbed life by the balls. Oh, well, I hope they're happy sleeping in here because it's the only room that's done. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's not so 
said no one ever. <laughs> You've been so sweet about my podcast, but I feel like it's only fair I mention yours, Kate, because not only did I have a lovely time being a guest on it, but you were so smart, like so shrewd, like you were so ahead of the curve, like white wine question time, not only, fantastic title, by the way, great concept, but like you got in there when like podcasts were most people like just a gleam in most people's eyes quite frankly you know um and I had to be like dragged kicking and screaming into this world because I was very well, I was very intimidated so by the time I'd got into this space I'd done a bit of tv was starting to feel like I knew where I was a little bit and, and how I knew my level in that and then they were like oh learn this whole new medium because everyone's doing it. It's going to be great. And I was like, oh, God, I'm a little bit intimidated. People were starting to do well. I knew people had their favourites. And I thought, is anyone going to want to listen to what I've got to say for a fucking hour? Like, I was just a bit scared. But it's a lot to ask of people, isn't it? It's yeah. like, spend an hour with me and I'll make, it, I'll make it worth your while. That's kind of the promise that we make. So much pressure, isn't it? And you know, and I know that an hour is, is you know, that's a luxury to some people. Is I don't have an hour to give. Hmm. To, to things so you know for people you know podcasting is I think a very intimate it's a very different way of broadcasting to anything I've done before and I'm I loved getting in there early and yeah. the first women to kind of you know bring the idea of it's not even female conversation just long-form conversation yeah. in because at the time when I started Fern was doing happy place yeah um, but I was advised that, listen, you know, women don't listen to podcasts. I was like, what? Why? I just thought, because like, we've got no fucking free time, probably too busy, like raising the kids, earning the money, doing right. it all. And they just, and, you know, I was told, you know, that faith, comedy, and sport were, um, yeah, faith, comedy, sport, and well being right. were what people came to podcasts for. And I was like, yeah, but that's because there's nothing else there. Let's yeah. just try it. And if it doesn't work, that's all right. I don't I don't mind. Let's just give it a go and bang, you know, hit the ground running. And and it isn't just a show for women, by the way. It's a show for people uh, where I interview fascinating people uh, and ask them three thought-provoking questions, I hope, over three glasses of wine. I mean, you've sat there and done it with me. It's really good fun. And I love doing it. Um, and, you know, I think if you'd have said to me at any point in my career once I was up and running what would be your dream job I probably wouldn't have been brave enough to say a chat show because it sounds really fancy and like I really think I'm Graham Norton or Michael Parkinson but I am a journalist yeah. and I'm trained to talk to people and listen and that would have been my dream gig yeah. I've made that happen and for four years 52 weeks a year I get to talk to people that I admire that I'm interested in I'm fascinated by I drink wine while I'm doing it and and I get paid. Dream like, fucking job. That's goals right there, kid. And I own the show because <laughs> yeah. I came up with it. Like I have written my own lottery ticket in the nicest possible way. Yeah, sure. Not a lottery ticket as in, you know, hang up your coat, you, you're done now, kid. Yeah. Go and spend the money. It's not that at all. I've won the lottery ticket in as much as I've written my own ticket to carry on working the way I like to work. Yeah. And talking to um, an audience that like what I do right that's really lovely yeah. that is the great I'm so flattered and they come you know when somebody listens to a podcast whoever's listening to us right now they haven't stumbled upon this it wasn't on when they walked into the kitchen yeah. you go to it hit download play it's a, you it's know, deliberate so deliberate and by the time they hear you say hello and welcome they've already worked very hard to be there your job is to respect that 
and go, but I'm going to make it so that A, you think it was, you know, a good decision and B, you come back next week. Yeah. There's a lot of, when you say it like that, Kate, like I've obviously got into the swing of things with a podcast and like I just, very similar to you, I just love talking to people. Like I'm interested, I'm nosy, I'm like fascinated by different people's stories. But when you put it like that, there's like an awful lot of pressure to make this like worth a person's while, isn't there? Well, just because I'm so time poor and I like, you know, my decision is often that I'm a bookworm. I read every night. I, you know, I, I don't care what state I'm in. I could be exhausted. You know, even when I've had a few drinks, I'll still, with one eye open, read a couple of chapters of my book. Um, that's so to spend, you know, to have that little bit of free time and go, oh, should I read a book or should I listen to a podcast? Somebody's got to really pull me in that direction. And I always think, well, I've got to do the same, you know. I can't yeah. expect it as a given that for four years, the same people are going to listen every week. And yet they do. And then they tell their mates and more come. And then millions download it. And you go, my God, millions and millions of people are listening to these conversations. I've got to make them really good. Yeah. And that's how I should, right? Yeah. I'm running my own business in, a, in, in some respects with that. Yeah. And these are my clients. Yeah. That's such a big compliment isn't it when you think about it like that. It really is. Ne- yeah I've never quite had it explained that way but no I feel like that's a lovely and way of looking at it come in like, everyone's doing a podcast now I better do a podcast you've got to have something to say yeah you know don't ever you know don't ever open a microphone without something to say yeah that's that's my golden rule really um and I do that and I apply that to the telly the radio wherever I'm blathering on I try to make sure it's considered blather <laughs> You've had, like, obviously, over the course of four years, like over 200 guests. I know. Um, It's incredible, mate. Nothing to be sniffed at. But I just wonder if you are going to be, if you're going to tell me who your favourite guest of all time was. Oh, not just one of all time, because there's there's different. Okay, you can give me a couple if you want. I'll give you a couple. Is that right? So so, um, there was a brilliant uh, guest that I had on, and she was a mate. And then she was having a moment, right? And to be able to just narrate that moment and put a, not put her front and centre because she put herself front and centre. Yeah. was joyous. She was a 40-something single mum that had yeah. almost thrown the towel in because she couldn't make childcare and being a parent work with life as an actress. Yeah. And she'd walked away from big gigs and then suddenly an audition came calling and, it, and the stars aligned and it was shoot it was a big big american show shooting yeah. in london in yeah. richmond 20 minutes from where she lived she could make the hours work the studio didn't want her but the guy that runs the show did yeah he fought for her he's jason sudeikis she's hannah waddingham it's ted lasso yeah. moment it's like so invested in that story there you go it's the way you tell him babe <laughs> you absolutely reeled me in there do you know i was just talking about her the other day and i can't remember who to now but i yes. love her hannah oh. is amazing right hannah oh, has no. a triple threat for ever in a day she was the queen of the west end yeah. child of an opera singer who was the child of an opera singer i mean she's you know the, it's the, in her blood in her blood right and she is gorgeous and I mean, like we met when we both signed up to be waitresses at a charity event. And she came over to me and went, everyone says I look like you. And I was like, fuck you do. Yeah. So we're taking pictures of ourselves like a pair of fats. And, uh, and we've been. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Friends ever since. And, and then when Lasso came up, she'd had to, you know, she'd already done Game of Thrones. It was just that moment where, and I think as well, because I am a single parent and the trade is a constant. It's like trying to make... Uh, everything work and for me I suppose you know I'm I'm stepping back up professionally I'm dialing it back up now my son's yeah. a little bit older but for a long time I dialed it right down and it was the right thing to do and I'm yeah. so glad I did and so Hannah and I were having those conversations like what do you do I was like you just keep it going until you can turn it up again yeah it's literally you know that's all you just keep it simmering and then Jason Sudeikis comes along and he tells that story and anyway the night we're, we're recording the podcast the irony being she's you know an, an apple show the software only worked with an apple computer and she didn't have one so I was like oh shit how are we gonna make up like, oh we're going back and forth and you know what it's like when podcasts yeah. and in the end she went oh fuck it and she got in an uber and came to my house I made curry and we sat and chatted and got drunk and it was awesome that's yeah, that's, episodes that's not like, even my that's not even my story and that's become one of my favorite stories ever <laughs> <laughs> so good oh please tell her i love her i do she's so great she, she rocks doesn't she yeah like fucking class she doesn't take a minute of it for granted uh, she really doesn't and she's so deserving and she's so talented and and now she's paying it forward she stands on really big stages and says don't ignore west end actors Right. I've seen her. I've seen her recently on this morning. She did that on the stage at the Emmys, right? She didn't just make it about her, she made it about everyone. And that that speaks of her, I think. Yeah. Her favorites were um, I've mentioned Damon. I love him. We love Eamon. Uh I think for two and a half years as a recurring guest, I had Deborah James on every year for Stand Up to Cancer. And I will treasure those conversations because I know the good they did and know that the good they will continue to do going forward and I'm glad that I've got those moments where we were laughing and drinking wine and she had rebellious hope and they're very difficult to listen to um but I'm really proud that they're in the catalogue and other ones um some of them like with all my mates obviously yeah. that first ever episode we all cried we all laughed it was me Heidi Range Lisa Faulkner and Tamsin Athway, I think. So having all my mates on has been amazing. Girl but, Squad vibes, love that. And then, you know, when I first started out in telly, I'd done a few shows here and there, but there were two people that really took me under their wing and they became like my telly mum and dad. And, they, you know, Richard and Judy, I was, you know, they gave me and Claudia Winkleman, uh, well, they say they, the boss of the show did but uh so me and claude were the showbiz entertainment reporters on this morning uh-huh. you'd loads right and you'd go in and you'd present you, your film would play out and you'd sit in the studio and you'd get on an ad break feedback from richard and judy like for a young cub yeah and they were lovely with it yeah. and there was one day i told this story on the podcast right i'd gone out and covered the brit awards for them and i like you know it's great and <laughs> 
had a lovely time. <laughs> I made my film. And and then somebody said, do you want to come to one of the many parties afterwards? Like back yeah. in every record company would have a different party in a different mm-hmm. town. I think I went to all of them, right? And then I figured, I'll oh, just... me, girl. I, I really went for it. And I thought, tomorrow I've just got to go into the studio and chat for four minutes off the back of this film. It doesn't matter if I haven't been to bed. I can do this. And I got in, right? Oh, the youthful arrogance. There it is again. There it is, right? <laughs> Stupidity. Or lacking <laughs> professionalism. Call it what you like. Um, I call it a hangover. Uh, <laughs> and I got into work and Richard went, hey, Kate, uh, Jude's not feeling great. Uh, so she's uh, she's not in today. And I figured, let's give you a go. I was like, what? No. <laughs> With him. Tasting hey, items that we had to do for Burns Night or something. Anyway, styled it out and then fessed up on the podcast like 25 years later. <laughs> and what did he say? Did he say you? No at idea. All? No idea. Oh, yes. He smashed it, girl. <laughs> so, you know, there's been lots of brilliant conversations. And I, I hope now in the back catalogue, there's something for every mood. What we do now, because, you know, um, there are so many different episodes and people tend not to want to scroll through 200 guests. We started doing a mini episode every week called Something from the Cellar, where I bring together three guests. You're in one of them. <laughs> and bring some of the best bits up from midweek, uh, you know, shot-sized portion. Shot. To get you over hump day. I'm and sensing a theme here to the podcast, babe. <laughs> No, mate, honestly, I love it. And I'm so honoured to be even like, my, have my name mentioned in such a prestigious today, actually. Stop it. Well, send us a clip and I'll pop it on me Insta here. Jesus. Oh, well. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, you know, you know what? I like, honestly, I'm always so grateful to have anybody come on here and give up any of their time. But like, just hearing you, hearing you chat about everything you've done and all the amazing people you've met like I am so grateful that you you're you're so kind to me that you give up your time to come and chat on this that you've had me on a guest as yours and you know Kate you're an an impressive person I'm very I'm very grateful to you well right back at you you are are very impressive and you know what when I started Richard and Judy you know they didn't need to give their ad break chats over to giving me feedback yeah because it was it elevates other people, right? They, they, yeah. they, they, I love the expression, keep your ladders down. So once yeah. you've started climbing, keep your ladders down so that somebody else can come up behind you. And when I saw you as a young woman who'd been through quite a lot publicly, sat in that jungle, and then I saw you slowly, day in, day out, win people over by just being you. You, you had me from the get-go there. And I think you're I think you're brilliant, Vic. Just keep doing whatever you want to do, you can do because you have the personality to open any door and hold any room. And I th- and that's really rare. So it was my pleasure to be asked to come onto your show. And I don't do loads of podcasts because I'm mainly recording them. Yeah. But for you, I would have, you know, I would have talked about anything for as long as you liked. You're giving me real Mr. Pugh vibes. You're giving me Mr. Pugh vibes, Kate. Yeah. And do you know what's so brilliant is the other day, so he emailed me, so going all the way back to Mr. Pugh now. So we've kept in touch. Love um, that. He had a big 70th birthday recently. His daughter got in touch and said, could you do a message for him? Yeah. And and many, many years ago, I'd only I'd agreed to host the teaching awards on the on the, on the the say-so that I could at some point mention Mr. Pugh. Yeah. 
because I just wanted to say thanks because okay. you know it's all good and well being told your mum by your mum and dad that you can do anything but they're gonna say that right by someone different like someone else yeah. uh, re- removed from the family it means something else doesn't it, it means to that right and, and he's so he was a game changer for me so uh, so I sent him a little birthday message. Then he got poorly, sent him get well message. And then just the other day, out of the blue, he'd gone to a funeral, as, as happens at this stage in our yeah. And he'd run into a load of old colleagues and somebody showed him a clip of me talking about him. And he got in touch to just update me on how he is and where he is in life. And I was sat with my best mate, Claire, from school when it came in. And we used to, we would always be the ones in class going, Katie, Claire, stop talking. please." <laughs> um and so we sent him a little video going, hi, Mr. Pugh. Still calling Mr. Pugh. Yeah. We sat here on a weekend away celebrating our 50th birthdays. He was like, shut up. This is so depressing. That <laughs> you're so old, therefore I'm so old. But how lovely. A good teacher stays with you forever. And in li- literally in my case, um, I will, and, you know, I think I think there's a little bit of Mr. Pugh in all of us. Yeah. Uh, and I've had loads of them, like the Richard and Judy's. Of yeah, of course. Yeah. It's dead important, like having someone believe in you. And I think like it doesn't matter what shape that takes, like whether it's, you know, a colleague, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a peer, but having someone believe in you and tell you you can do it when, you know, sometimes our own self-belief wavers, like you should never underestimate the importance of that. And I think being that for someone else is is really nice as well. Like I'm always quite supportive of others. I just think it's really, yeah, it's supporting it. You know, it's really important. The older I get, the more determined I am to do it more often. Yeah, yeah. Well, why not, you know? And it brings us really lovely on to The Secret 2. So here, here on The Secret 2, I always ask our gorgeous guests to give our lovely listeners a couple of pearls of wisdom, Kate. Um, and I feel like you've given so many throughout, so I really am being greedy now. Um, what, what can I give you? Yeah, well, you're going to hate this being the very humble queen that you are, but undoubtedly... and. You are a successful person. Everything from being the editor of Smash Hits at 21 to hosting The X Factor when it was such a male-dominated space. Mm. You know, blazing the trail in the world of podcasts, you are a successful person. And I think a lot of people listening would like to know the secret to that. So, Kate Thornton, what is your secret to success? Uh, Just still being here feels like success. Yeah, it is. Um, staying power, I suppose. But success. See, I, I sometimes ask guests on the podcast, "Is like, how does success change over the years?" And it definitely does. It like, does. And let's change the word success to happy, because like, yeah. like a more honest conversation, right? Yeah. So, what does happiness feel like? Well, in my twenties, it felt very much about work. About, oh yeah. You know, and once I'd broken down, sort of one door with the job at smash it so I was like well where else can I go yeah what do what do I do next constantly yeah. looking yeah but also you know there was an expectation that I might do stuff and 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 I, there was invitations to do stuff because I'd done that one thing it had this amazing domino effect um and still people talk about it like I mean in reference to me not wider conversations not that interesting but um so I think in so many ways that gave me um permission to stay curious and by curious, I mean interested. And I think if you're interested, you're always interesting. And what I've always loved doing is, I mean, I still fundamentally believe that I do the same job I've always done, which is I, you know, in today's modern world, we would call it content provider. 
I'm a journalist. I tell stories. And I told I told stories on the X Factor. I'd say, up next, it's Vicky. She's from Newcastle. Last week we saw this. That's a story. Yeah, right? it is. It's Everything a narrative. Is. Yeah. It's a narrative. And some of my stories are long and some of them are short. It doesn't matter, but that's fundamentally what I do for a living. I guess what's kept me interested is diving into spaces ahead of the pack. Yeah. So, for example, when I was editing Smash Hits, everyone thought I was mad to leave and go work in telly. I thought yeah. I was insane. You're never going to get a better, better job at your age than being the editor of Smash Hits. But the sales were in decline, right? Yeah. Not just my magazine, all magazines. Yeah. It was palliative care in publishing. That was the way it was made to, to feel. And I sat down and looked at telly and digital television was coming. We just had Channel 5, right? That's yeah. how fucking old I am. And I remember that as well. So don't worry. You, you. And, and then I remember this woman pitching to me to come and be a TV presenter. I didn't want to be a TV presenter. I wanted to be a producer. And she was like, look, just come and do this show because over 200 channels were about to launch. I was like, wow, this is a growth space. Yeah. And that's what got me was, oh, there's there's growth over here. And it looks like probably the, you know, the FOMO in me was going, there's something really amazing happening over there. I need to be over there with those guys. Can't miss out. Yeah. And then I did exactly the same with telly. I jumped into the internet and online and social and podcasting yes. yeah. because that's where the audience are. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting now. Some of the shows that I used to present on, they'll get, you know, if they're lucky, a million viewers now. But two or three times that in terms of clips that are viewed online. Yeah. Arguably, is it telly or social content that's made in a television? I don't know. Like, and it's not for me to figure out, by the way. I just got to keep myself in the mix, doing the stuff that keeps me interested. And I've done jobs where... You know, it's like wearing a bra that's too tight. It's like, this is not a good fit. I have learned with time to just say no to the stuff that doesn't feel right. And you yeah. don't even have to have a justifiable reason. You can just go, it's just not for me. That's all right. That's all right. So there's lots of things that define happiness or success. And I guess doing the stuff that makes your heart sing. Yeah. Learning that it's okay to say no. But always remaining interested. Because it's... It is a lottery win if you can do something that really, really you love doing. Absolutely. And you know as well, you won't say this yourself, but I think you were very brave. Like there's moments where I probably would have stayed at things because I'm like, this is cushy and I'm loyal as a dog. But sometimes I didn't have a choice. Like, you know, like, you know, I didn't, it wasn't my choice to leave the X Factor. I'm sort of glad that it, it did yeah. happen. In, well, glad it was done in a shitty way. Um, but it forced my hand. It forced me to stay creative. Um, otherwise, you know what? I could have stayed there for however many years it stayed on on air. Um, and I would have become stagnant. I would have been a different person. Yeah. What frustrated me when I hosted The X Factor uh, was the the importance that was placed on how I looked over how I did the job. And I thought that was really shit. Do you think and that was do you think that was a sexist thing? Like, do you think that we would have been the same yeah. for Dermot, for example? No, of course oh, not. Exactly, yeah. That would, have that would have frustrated me as well, Kate. Less it's on your talent. Me. It did frustrate me. You know, I'd, you'd come off air and on a Monday get a call from, you know, your agent who'd spoken to the network and it would be like, and then you'd go, oh, there were two really tricky shows and we brought them in and, you know, we didn't fall off air and you would never have known all the chaos that was going on in gallery. 
and you know great so what's the feedback and they go they weren't sure about the green dress and you're like oh god i'm so much more than a green dress okay well i didn't realize they were all qualified in fashion (laughs) you know whatever but you know it just yeah that used to exasperate me and i guess i am somebody that will always poke the bear right i'll always you know i'm trained to go but why 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 and sometimes that gets you into trouble but fine trouble is one person's definition um you know, I've 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 chosen to speak speak up and speak out, but that's why we love you. That's why and we love you. Yeah, and it's cost me personally, but it hasn't. It's actually enriched me personally yeah. because there is no price to integrity. And no, you can't put it in your bank, and no, it won't show in your bank statement. But trust me, it shows itself in so many other ways. Well, I always say you should never sacrifice respect for attention, and I look at you now with this incredibly like incredibly long career doing what make you're passionate about being successful being happy and i think you know there's a lot to be said for the way you do things kate thornton oh thanks babe i'm right back at you too sat there in your walk-in wardrobe and i will never not full name you ever since Gav, <laughs> i'll always you're always kate thornton to me girl <laughs> Love that. oh thank you so I much for being amazing what bit oh he's good he's good he's smashing it Really got his head down with the music side of things and he's doing well. Because he's not playing the Lion King anymore. Nah, he's not. (laughs) Don, I need a wee and you're going to make me go. (laughs) Well, guys, that was the fantastically formidable and just downright fucking lovely Kay Thornton. Um, Do you know some people, like, they come on the podcast and I I actually get, like, mad starstruck. Um, And I'm a fan of, like, most people who come on. Like, I can't lie. I, I lose my head a lot. I'm a total fangirl in general. Kay Thornton is one of these people that just absolutely impresses me. Um, so much success and just still so kind, so encouraging to others. Oh, honestly, just a proper, just a weapon. I love her. Um, if you loved listening to this week's episode and you're not already listening to Kate's podcast, you should definitely give that a go. She gets fantastic guests. As you can tell, she's a great interviewer and a fantastic broadcaster. So it's called White Wine Question Time and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but yeah, Beat Your Pass in the Secret too. Um, we now have a YouTube. Don't forget about that, guys. It is a lovely way um, to uh, to, con- to consume the content if you fancy doing it visually instead. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to tell more people about us, that would be nice too. I always love getting new listeners, getting the word out there. Um, don't forget to do all of the podcasty things, leave reviews and stuff as well. And finally, I really hope you have a great week. You deserve it. <laughs>